So I'm going to read Matthew 4.17 to you. And, and what I want to talk to you about this morning is, uh, the, is rethinking God. Because I think we're in a time where God wants us to rethink some things uh, about Him primarily. And rethink about what the Bible uh, is revealing to us. Rethink about what God's doing in the earth. It's just a time. And so just if you just hang with me a little bit because I believe this could, could help some people in this room. I know it's mightily helped me. Uh, this is uh, Matthew four seventeen. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, you know, I was, probably about 10 years ago or more, that really became, this verse became really like a, a highlighted, emphasized truth that God was releasing into the church. And God really began to speak to the church about the kingdom in a, in, in, in a beautiful, amazing way and, and about repentance and how, how that those two are so vitally connected and as one leads to the other, one enables us to see the other. And, and it's been a, a, like a, a crazy journey for me personally, you know, since that time of really, you know, just diving into to both. Diving into what the kingdom of God really is, really what it really is, what it's really all about. And I don't really, you know, I don't really get it. Okay, the kingdom. I don't think nobody really gets it, but I just know it's awesome. And I know when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom with him because he's the king. And so that's good enough. And, uh, but the repentance part is really the, the beautiful thing uh, that, that it became beautiful to me. It really did. It hasn't always been beautiful uh, because, you know, there's been a lot of baggage associated with the word repent. Um, you know, the question I asked back in those days uh, what do I need to repent of? That was my question. Uh, obviously, we all have things in our life we, we should not be doing, you know, that we need to go away from, right? Maybe y'all don't, but I, I do. Yeah. So that's the obvious answer. But the, when I was really asking the Lord about that question, He pretty much said this to me, everything. You need to repent about everything. And you need to live in that repentance. And so, uh, that's why I say rethink God. In other words, what I felt the Lord was saying to me, you need to rethink me. And you need to rethink how you live your Christian life and how you see your Christian life and how when you read the Word of God, what you see and what you're hearing in the Word of God and how you're living your life as a believer and what that really means. You need to rethink all of that because you might be not thinking about it correctly. So the Greek word for repentance is, I'm just going to tell you some information here. You may already know this, but I think it's just amazing. The Greek word for repentance is the word metanoia. I'm speaking in Greek. <laughs> Meaning, change the way you think or think higher. Change the way you think. That's what repentance literally means. Change the way you think or think higher. Isaiah 55, 9 is just, to me, amazing the way it really captures that picture. It says, uh, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, or so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So thinking a, thinking a higher way really is, is tapping into the thoughts of the Lord. 
Okay, and that's what repentance really boils down to, if you really had to boil it down to, is is tapping into a different line of thinking versus the thinking that you've always thought and learning how to think differently and learning how to think new thoughts. And when you think new thoughts, your understanding shifts, and when your understanding shifts, your life shifts, and everything in your life will shift when you begin to understand. You know, for a long time, I thought repentance was mainly about sin, Right? I mean, most people do. And, and, and it really is, of course it's about sin. Of course it's, but that's not the only thing. And see, that's where I feel like there was baggage on the word repentance. When you, when you heard the word, at least when I hear, heard it, I felt this negative feeling about it. Like, you need to repent, you, you bad person. You need to be better. You need to do different. Well, there's truth in all that. I would never deny that repentance does not address sin in our life. And if it don't, you know, it has to address sin in our life. But I'll tell you this, it's much more. It's much greater than just sin. And when we narrow it down to that one thing, we've missed, we've really missed the whole point. We've really missed the whole thing, the whole dream that God wants to release to us and reveal to us when, when the Bible continuously in the New Testament is just full of the word repent over and over and full of ideals and concepts that bring us back to the thing about repentance. See, so when we repent, what happens with us is we're able to connect into the supernatural. That's really Jesus' whole, whole thought there. And when he said, repent, for the kingdom is here, he was saying, if you'll, if you'll learn how to think different, if you'll think in a different way, in a higher way, you can connect in to the spiritual world. You can begin to see that there's another world besides this world. You begin to feel that world, sense that world, see that world, and bear to lay hold of that world. And isn't that what the Christian life is really all about? It's about the kingdom. It's about living from the kingdom and, and bringing the kingdom into our everyday life because we have this kingdom in us, but it, for many Christians it's trapped in us. And the reason it's trapped in you, it's not because you're a bad person. It's tr- a lot of it's just trapped in because you haven't changed the way you think. You're still thinking the old way. You're still thinking the way you did five years ago or y- last year. And that, that hinders the flow of God's kingdom in you. Are y'all following this? So another area where I've really found that repentance, I just want to tell you a couple of areas that really have spoken to me that I learned about repentance was, was in marriage. I learned, and it ain't just like, Becky, I'm sorry I was mad, mean to you this morning. That's, well, that's a good thing to do, but there's, here's a good example. This is, Becky has said this many times to people about me. <laughs> she said, when we got married, I was not marrying a guy who was going to become a pastor. I was, gonna, I was marrying a guy who was going to become an engineer. And what she was saying is, I had to shift my whole way of thinking about this person. Because I was thinking different for a long time. And I was living different for a long time. And once he began to shift to his occupation, so to speak, I had to start thinking differently about my husband. You see what I'm saying? Every, every couple that gets married, every young couple, they love each other, they get married, they they. they, they they come, put their households together, they live in there, all of a sudden, there's going to be a lot of change in your mind if you're going to have a healthy marriage. So you see how repentance really digs down into our, our marriage. If you're going to have a good marriage, a healthy marriage, you've got to live with repentance. You've got to be continually changing the way you see that person because this person is a living 
human being that's growing and changing as you are. And so it requires for you to, to adjust and understand them different, see them different. Becky's needs today are much different than her needs were 10 years ago. Much different. And if I tried to meet her needs today as a husband, like I did 10 years ago, it wouldn't work. Are y'all following me? And that's why a lot of marriages don't work, because people refuse to change the way they think about their spouse. So some people in here need to get that right now. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm just going to say this. This is my turn to say this. And I've learned this the hard way. Stop trying to make your spouse in the image that you want them to be. It's not your job. Because here's what you will do. You will create a person that you will not ultimately love. Because you want them to be some thought in your head. Let them be who they are. If they got issues that need to be addressed, let God show you what issues you should address and the other ones leave it to Him. Keep your mouth shut. Right, Becky? <laughs> Some things you don't talk to your spouse about, like things they're doing bad, just let them go. God, you need to talk to them about that. I ain't talking. <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. They would only get upset. And here's another good example out of science. Oh, science is a big one. How many people love science in this room? I love science. I was helping Madeline, my granddaughter, with her uh, science recently. So we're going through all the planets. Don't you love the planets? Don't you like the, that part of science? The, the planets, the, the different names of planets, rotation, revolution, the sun, the sun's in the middle. You know those people who actually are what they call flat earthers? Have you heard about that? They don't repent. That's why they're flat earthers. See, you see what I'm saying? They're believing something people believed a long time ago, and they're dumb. Some guy recently got it, built this rocket. This guy had to be a brilliant man out in California. Built a rocket ship, launched it. He was going to go up there and take pictures to prove that the earth was flat. I don't know how you could be so smart to do a rocket ship and still think. Well, guess what? On the way down, the parachutes didn't work right, and he hurt his back real bad. Seriously, this happened probably two weeks ago. I was watching it on the news, and they were wheeling him out on a stretcher, and they said he's a flat earther. <laughs> well, anyways, this is what I found out about science. I'm wasting a lot of time on this. I'm sorry. This is what I found about uh, uh, um, science. Pluto. How many people know about Pluto? The planet. It's not a planet no more. When I was a kid, it was a planet. Now they're saying it's not. They call it a dwarf planet, which it doesn't measure up. That broke my heart because when I was a little boy, I loved Pluto. I thought every, I, I imagined going to Pluto. Pluto was special to me. And now they've taken it away from me. So every generation of scientists, every new married person, every believer has to live in this constant state of changing. You see what I'm saying? I'm trying to invite you in to what repentance really means instead of making it about one thing. I'm trying to invite you in to how God, how Jesus Christ, how the Holy Spirit, how the Father looks at, at repentance to see it as being something, a part of your life all the time. And that when we live in that, we can begin to connect with Him and begin to discover some things. Amen? So in the context of Christ, this is where I want to talk to you about. It's great about marriage and science. But in the context of Christ, if we don't repent, okay, if we don't repent and we choose to believe what we've always believed, 
and choose our traditions, choose our, our bias, choose our mindsets, what we're, to, we're going to do is we're going to create an imaginary God, a God who really doesn't exist. Okay, that's what we have. We have a God, we could call him the fake Jesus, like the fake news. There's this fake Jesus out there that people believe about, and they've chosen to stay in and in in locked into a belief about this person. And they refuse to change the way they believe about him. They, they, they believe the same ver- the verse that somebody told them 20 years ago, and they're still believing it, and refusing to allow God to show them something different. So we have this fake Jesus who will lead us into this fake kingdom. This is what happens to a lot of Christians. Lead us into this fake kingdom. This fake kingdom doesn't deliver because the fake Jesus can't deliver. And so we get disappointed in the Lord. Right? We get disappointed because he doesn't deliver for us. Because we're believing something about him that's not necessarily right. And a lot of people get lethargic in their spirit, better known as lukewarm, because of their disappointment and their hurt. God didn't do what he was supposed to do. No, God didn't do what you thought he was supposed to do. Maybe you need to think a little different to to find out what really God wants to do. Are y'all following this? This is really helpful if you'll think about it a lot. It's almost like when we need him most, he doesn't show up. That's that's the, that's the, uh, the imaginary kingdom that we've imagined in our minds. As one person said, when it comes to Christ, clarity is not a luxury. It's a matter of life and death. That's an amazing statement. Let me say it one more time. When it comes to Christ, clarity is not a luxury. It's a matter of life and death, and it really is true. We need to have very good clarity when it comes to Christ himself. There was a book written several years ago. The title was The Best Ever. It's called The Jesus I Never Knew. Anybody remember that book? The, The book wasn't great. It was disappointing. But that, that title was amazing. That title grips me to this day because I knew in, I was so hungry to know about this Jesus. Because I felt like the Jesus I knew, it was just, I, I know there's more to you. You ever felt that about the Lord? I know there's more to you. There's got to be more to you than what I know. And that's why that book title grabbed me so much. I read the book and thought, that didn't help me. But the, the title just burned in my heart and it still burns in my heart. And the way we know, the, the way I get to know the Jesus I don't know is through this thing called repentance. It's through this thing about rethinking this Jesus and discovering this Jesus. Um, listen to this. I wrote this down. This is pretty good. This is what repentance has taught me, that if I want to know the real Jesus, I must be willing to see him, not as I determine him to be. Okay? Not as I frame him to be, not even as I want him to be, but as he reveals himself to me. Y'all get that? Not even the way you want him to be. You have to be willing. You've got to be willing to take your safety glasses and your hard hat off, so to speak, when it comes to him. And be willing to be offended by him. Be willing to be put off by him. Okay? To be willing to be shown something completely different than you always believe. And be willing to question what you believe. See, God has no issues with us questioning those things when our heart is truly turning to Him and truly seeking out this person. And so that's what God really wants from us. That's, that's a repentant heart. That's what Jesus was saying that day. Hey, guys, change the way you think because the kingdom, everything you've dreamed of is right here. It's within your reach if you'll change the way you think. 
But if you keep going on, guys, thinking the way you've been thinking, you're going to get stuck somewhere. And they got stuck somewhere and wind up killing Jesus over it. We don't want to be stuck somewhere, right? All righty. Let me go ahead. Are y'all following this so far? Okay, uh, this is another thing that's really been helpful to me. I'm sort of taking you on my, my little personal repentance journey. Uh, the Gospels. Here's the way I look at the Gospels. The Gospels are books of repentance. That's, that's how, when I read the, book, the Gospels, that's what I see over and over and over. Um, and one of the things that's really powerful in the, in the Gospels, this will help you reading the Bible, but it was particularly help you reading the Gospels, is when you read uh, the Gospels, each one of them are really trying to communicate something about the Lord to us. That's a little different than the others. Okay? I mean, it's really true. And one of the keys that I found is, is the first thing that Jesus says in each of the Gospels is very key to the understanding that Gospel. I mean, it's, it's very key. If you, can, if you can discover the first thing He talked about, like get your red-letter Bible out and, and go to Matthew and read the first thing He said in Matthew. Read the first, you'll get a good idea of what Matthew, what the Holy Spirit wanted you to know. Now, that's, that's really powerful because here's what that does to you. It helps you to be able to get something, to hear something, to know something about God that God wants you to know versus you reading into it. How many people read into the Bible? Your bias, your, every one of us do. And see, what the, the Gospels do, it's like an invitation when you read that first thing that Jesus said. It's like an invitation to join this story. Just like if you were reading a story to your child. That you've never read before. Think about it like this. You're reading a story to your child or your grandchild. You've never read the story. You don't know what happens at the end. So you start reading it and you start you get into the story, right? You, in fact, the way I do that, I sort of put myself in that story. And so I'm going through the story not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing what's going to end, not trying to project what I think is going to end. I'm just going to write it out. Well, that's the way we should read the Gospels. We should sit down and go, oh, this is what they want us to know. Let's start on this journey. I'm in the journey. I'm in it. I'm a part of the gospel. I'm not determining what this gospel's saying to me. I'm letting, or me saying to it, I'm letting it tell me what it wants to tell me. And it makes your Bible reading a lot easier when you approach it like that. Because you're not trying to communicate something to God about what that means, you're letting God communicate to you what that means. Are y'all with me this morning? And so, that's what I call reading with a repentant heart. You know, it's allowing, allowing the Gospels to tell you about Jesus versus you telling the Gospels about Jesus versus you reading your doctrine into it, your bias, your mindset. And it'll make a world of difference of what you start seeing when you start reading that way. Here's a great... Are y'all okay? <laughs> now, it's challenging to do that. I'm just going to admit to you. Uh, it's not easy to do that. This is something C.S. Lewis said that I thought was beautiful. He said, the price of Jesus Christ is to want Him. Let me say that one more time. The price of Jesus Christ is to want Him. Okay? To want him. That's the only price you've got to pay. You've got to want him. If you want him, you can have him. But there's a price of wanting him. And this is what the price is. It's a willingness to have your mind changed. The price of Jesus Christ is to want him. 
the price of wanting him is being willing to have your mind changed. Does that make sense? Does that not grab your heart? Man, when I read that, I thought, good Lord. I've always wanted Jesus, but I've not always wanted my mind changed. I've always, I've always wanted him. I've always wanted to, to know this person, to have this relationship with this person. But I've not always wanted somebody to mess with what I believe. I've not always wanted somebody to mess with my interpretation of the scripture. You know, I, I always didn't want somebody to mess with my experience with what God has shown me. I didn't, don't mess with that. That's precious. But the Lord said, now I want to mess with it. I want to mess with it. I want to upgrade it. I want to bring it into something better than you think you have already. Because I have found out one thing about God is he don't give you the whole download at once. He gives it to you in bits and pieces because you can't take it all at once. You would explode. Are y'all following this? All right, I'm a, I do have a point to this. I think so, right? So this is another thing. This is kind of repetitive. Everything that Jesus ever said is a call and an invitation to repent. Everything, everything that Jesus said, read the Gospels, every red thing in there is a calling to you and I, an invitation to you and I to change the way we think about him. Now, here's the proof, okay? John chapter 2, this is what Jesus did. He said, uh, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. That's what he said in John 2. What did the people say? Well, that guy's an idiot. It took him 40 years to build this temple. You got what I'm saying? See, Jesus was speaking metaphorically. He was speaking up here. They were down here. And I think we do that all the time. John chapter 3, Nicodemus. If you're going to see the kingdom, you've got to be born again. Well, how am I going to crawl back in my mama's womb? Right? John chapter 4. The woman at the well. Hey, lady, I can give you some water and you'll never thirst again. Where are you going to get a bucket? You don't even have a bucket. You know, you don't even, can't even get this water out of here. Where are you going to get that water? Are y'all seeing what I'm saying? And so those, when you think about it like that, it does look like, well, those people are just, they didn't really get it. We don't get it. See, that, that's the thing. A lot of times God's speaking to us. We're thinking here. He's thinking from up there. And the, the only way, that's why I say everything he says is a calling, is an invitation to see it differently. That's good. Thank you, Becky. <laughs> Are y'all following this? And it'll change the way you know the Lord. It will change when you, God speaks to you. It'll, everything will shift for you when you have that kind of mindset in you. Y'all are really looking at me meanly. <laughs> every time you hear... Every time you read the Bible, every time you hear somebody preach, every time you read something that's Christian and spiritual, there's an opportunity to change the way you think. It's a total opportunity. Think differently. Every time. I know this is kind of a stretch for you, but it's good if you do it. All right, now let me get to my little point here. The first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Okay? That's what I wanted to read this little story from the Gospel of John. In John chapter 1, verse 35 through 39, is the first words of Jesus. Okay, so okay. So if you know about the Gospel of John, it's a little bit different, right, than the other three Gospels. Yeah, it's great, isn't it, Tony? And really what John was trying to do in that whole Gospel is reveal the heart of the Lord. He didn't really give a historical thing. It's more like I'm trying to reveal the heart of Christ to people. That's why I'm right. I want people to see his heart. 
okay? Because people have this need to see his heart. That's the cry of people's heart is to see it. That's what people are really looking for, okay? Is to be able to see him and see who he is. So, and actually we were talking about it this morning, is John actually wrote this gospel about 50 years after Christ was dead. About 50 years. This is towards the end of his life he wrote it. Uh, and he wrote it when he was in exile, they think. You know, he was exiled. And so he had a long time to think about what he experienced in those three and a half years of Jesus. Right? And, and by then, also, according to church history, the church was already going off the mark when it concerned Christ. They were already getting into other doctrines that we think are orthodox good doctrines to this day. And they had already swerved from them. And what John, one of the things he's doing is trying to bring people back to who Christ really was and get them back to reality. That was his whole point in writing the thing because he saw, he saw error. And he wanted to get people back to the real Jesus. The real show us the Father. And that will be good enough. That's what he was trying to get us back to, to reveal that heart of the Father. John was, you know, the guy who put his head on Jesus' heart at the table. Remember that? And he's also probably the only one of the disciples who watched Jesus die. He was, they, they think he was the only one who stood at the cross and watched him, his life ebb out of him. So you know, all of that was very profoundly affecting this guy's, you know, his experience with the Lord. Profoundly affecting so... And he had a long time to let all that marinate in him and let it really come forth. And so he wrote this great gospel. And this is, this is what it says. This is the first thing that happened that he, you know, the first words of Jesus. Uh, again, the next day, John, this is talking about John the Baptist, stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and, and they followed Jesus. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You know, hopefully we would do that. Then Jesus turned around and seeing them, this is his first words in, first words in the Gospel of John, seeing them follow and said to them, what do you seek? Isn't that powerful? What, in other words, what are you looking for? And, and that's what the whole Gospel of John is trying to answer for people. The whole Gospel of John is trying to answer this question, what are you looking for? Because everybody's looking for something. Everybody in this room, in every area of our life, we're looking for something. And the real question, it's not a surface question. It's a deep question. It's a real deep question. Okay? And inherent in that question is this. If you can answer what you're looking for, are you willing to do what's necessary to have what you're looking for? In other words, are you willing to, this is what he was saying, are you willing to change the way you think to get what you're looking for? Are y'all following that? That's the whole thing, what the Gospel of John was trying to bring us, to see something different, to bring us into this experience. And so the question, you know, that we have to ask ourselves and allow ourselves to be asked by the Lord is, what are you looking for when it comes, when it comes to Christ, when it comes to your, your spiritual life? What are you looking for? What are you looking for from God? You could be looking for a lot of things. That's a, you know, there's a lot of things. You know, we could be looking for prosperity. We could be looking for health. We could be looking for a spouse. There's so many things we could say to the Lord. And those are all good things. But those really wasn't the thing that Jesus was talking about. He was going down deep into their hearts. And that's the, really the question that God wants us to be able to answer. Today. 
I mean, that's a question for you today. When it comes to your Christian life and your belief in God and how you live here, what really are you looking for? Are you looking for good theology? Is that what you're looking for? Just some good theology or some, oh, I'm looking to have right doctrine. Or I'm looking just to be obedient. I mean, those are good questions because right theology is awesome. Right doctrine is awesome. Being obedient is really cool. It'll help you, keep you out of a lot of trouble. You see, that's where changing your mind really comes into. It's finding out what am I looking for and what do I need to do to really have that. Where do I need to change my mind to have what I want? That's what I was saying, that thing about the Jesus I never knew. Do I really want this person? Do I really want to know this person and have this relationship with this person? Is that what I really want? And if I really want that, what am I going to do? The shift away, what am I going to do in my life to have that? What do I need to do to have that? What do I need to think different about? How do I need to act different? Y'all just looking at me terribly. <laughs> Soaking. <laughs> yeah. And so they answered him which is cool. And I've been trying to figure this answer out for a long time because I'm thinking, oh, they didn't know what to say because they were stunned because, you know, it was one of those questions. I'm sure when he said that, it hit them like an arrow shooting into their heart. You know, and many times when God says something to you, you feel speechless, right? Or or you you feel like you want to cry. Or you want to, this is what I always do. I'm so sorry, Lord. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Every time when I feel like God touches me, I feel the presence of God, the first thing that comes out of my mouth, I'm so sorry, Lord. It's like, what are you sorry about? <laughs> I didn't ask you to be sorry. I'm so sorry, Lord. That's just my default answer to God in His presence. I'm sorry. Well, you know why it's my default thing? Because I stayed in trouble all growing up so much. <laughs> my dad would come in, Byron, I'm sorry. I'm serious. What he said. I'm sorry. No, I need you to come here and help me. <laughs> what are you sorry about, by the way? <laughs> uh, nothing. I just, you know, never mind. It's not important, Daddy. <laughs> You'll find out soon enough. <laughs> when Mama gets in here, she's going to tell you. You know how my Mama did it sometimes? She'd, she'd whip you. In my, you know, during the, if, during the summer, you did bad. She'd say, I'm whipping you. And when your Daddy gets home, you're getting another whipping. You know, there was like no escape. So I get, sometimes I would literally get two whippings in a day. A switching and a belt whipping. And I deserved every one of them. And I didn't get some whippings I actually deserved, actually. But I know people don't believe in whipping no more. But I, in those days, it seemed to be the good thing to do. And I, so where are you staying? That's what they were asking Jesus. But this is interesting. That word stay uh, can depending on the context, can refer to where one is at home or even to experience the feeling of being at home. So you could, they could say, Lord, where are you at home at, Lord? Where do you feel comfortable at, Lord? Where, can, where are you, your, totally real, your total real self, Lord? That's where I want to go. You see what I'm saying? So it may have been a really powerful word. To, uh, to where we could, because that's to me what home is. Home is where you just all guards are down, right? You walk around in your t-shirt that you've worn for weeks, 
and that your wife says, you need to wash the shirt, <laughs> right? And, and your gym pants or pajama bottoms or whatever you wear around the house, you know, you're just being yourself. You're not worried about what anybody, how anybody looks at you. know, like the other day somebody was coming to my house. I was like, I mean, I need to clean. I need to get dressed. You know, I'm wearing the same clothes I've been wearing for weeks. I mean, literally, I, wear, I go home and put them on, and that's just what I do. But I don't, wouldn't want people coming to my house and seeing me like that necessarily because they would not think well of me. And the shirts do actually kind of stink, you know, because I'm like, ooh, this shirt stinks. I need to wash it sometimes. <laughs> I know some guys in here do that. I know y'all do. Uh, I don't, I'm just going to wear this one. I like this shirt. I love this shirt, even though it stinks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have lots of white T-shirts that I wear. You can actually get pictures of me when I was a little boy, and I had white T-shirts on. I don't know what it's about white T-shirts. That's besides the point. <laughs> but I think there's that, that question in these guys' the heart uh, is, where are you staying, Lord? I mean, to me, in some ways, that can be a really profound thing because that's the thing is I want to go to your house, Lord. That's where I want to go. And the invitation, and Jesus gave him the ultimate invitation. He said, well, come on. Just come, come on and see where I'm staying. And see, that's really Jesus' invitation to us today. If, we, you know, if our heart really is, if we can really answer that question in our heart uh, about are we willing to do, are we willing to change the way we think to find out where God is at home? See, I think that's the thing that God wants to ask us, each one of us, personally. Are you willing to change the way you think to see really what I really call home? Because we might think things, some things might be uncomfortable in his home to us because they might not be what we would expect. Or some things might offend us. And I think we all know that. I think we all, if you've been around, if you've been around the Lord um, very much, and, when the, and like when the Lord really moves, sometimes it, people get uncomfortable, right? Because people respond sometimes pretty loudly or rambunctiously or crazily. You know, that doesn't mean God's doing that. It means that that's how they're responding to the Lord. But you see, God's at home with that. God's, God's not put off by people who respond. No daddy in the world would walk in the house and his kids are jumping up and down and screaming and carrying on because they're glad they see their daddy. You know what I'm saying? No daddy in the world. They, the daddy would love that. They wouldn't be embarrassed by that. They would be really blessed by that. And the kids clamoring all over the place because that's, that's what children do. And see, that's how God is. And that's why he doesn't get offended when people act kind of crazy when they get in this process it's, it's finding that place amen? amen okay well I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to end mm-hmm. Lord we just want to thank you this morning for helping us to learn how to change our mind Lord mm-hmm. thank you Lord and Lord I just believe there's lots of minds that need, need to be changed in this room This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, when I was a child, I 
uh, I spoke like a child, I understood like a child, and I thought like a child. That's what he said. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so if you look at that little phrase there, I spoke, I understood, I thought. Okay? So a thought leads to an understanding. If I'm going backwards, I'm going to the root. A thought leads to an understanding. Understanding leads to words. And words lead to the life that you live. Because you create the direction of your life with your words. So you see, everything goes back to your thought. And your thought creates understandings in you. And your understandings create words. And those words direct the path of your life according to James. They're like a rudder on a ship. And they're going to direct your path. And so for you to, to, to know the Lord, for you to have whatever you want, you're going to have to go back to your thoughts and change them and allow those thoughts to upgrade your understanding so you can begin to speak differently. And when you begin to do that from your heart, from a true thought, then your life is going to shift and change. You can't just say stuff and expect it to be real because God in the spirit realm looks at words and He knows what's really coming out of a person's heart. He knows if it's coming out of their thoughts. And so if you want to change your life, you change what you're thinking about. Colossians 3, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Where Christ is, set at right hand of God. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, you shall also appear with Him in glory. That's just not talking about when you go to heaven. That's now. That you can access that today. You can access, access all that through where you set your mind. Amen? So, Lord, I just ask you uh, that our minds would be continually renewed by, by us and by you changing the way you think, the way we think, Lord. I just pray that for every person in this room, that thoughts would shift in this room, the way we think about our life, the way we think about our spouse, the way we think about politics, Lord, the way we think about our government, the way we think about our nation, the way we think about the body of Christ in America, Lord. We would change the way we think about it, Lord. The way we think about the body of Christ in other places that we go, Lord, in other nations. Lord, I pray you'd help us to see these things the way you see them. Lord, we would begin to hear what you're hearing, Lord. And, the, and, and those words would not be filtered through a bad understanding, Lord. They'd be filtered through an understanding that came from heaven. A new mind in Christ that you've given every one of us that we have access to today. That we can bring those thoughts in. That those thoughts can create something in us. They can unwire our minds today from old thoughts and bad thoughts and wrong thoughts and halfway right thoughts. Lord, I just ask you to begin to rewire our minds in this room right now. Just just touch minds right now, Holy Spirit. Put your hand on your mind or your head if, if you want to. And invite the Holy Spirit into there. And ask the Holy Spirit to start showing you, right? Ask Him to show you where you're having some bad thoughts. Ask Him to show you if you're thinking about stuff in the Scripture that that's, you're not thinking about it right. You're not seeing it right. Ask Him. Give Him permission. Give Him permission. If you'll give Him permission, He will do it. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't give Him permission, He's not going to do it. He's not going to force His thoughts on you. He's not going to force His heart on you. But he does invite you today to change the way you think. He invites you to repent. He invites you to see him different today. 
That's an invitation. That's all it is. When, so when you hear the word repent from now on, don't think about it as something negative. Think about it as an invitation from the Lord to see something different, to know something different. Just think about it like that. And when you begin to think about it like that, and when you read the Scriptures and you don't understand, don't just be frustrated. Just give it. It's an invitation. Oh, Lord, I don't see this because I'm trying to understand it in a bad understanding. The Bible says in Luke 24, verse 45, He opened their minds to understand the Scripture. That's what Jesus said. It says that about this. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. How many people want their minds open this morning? Lord, we ask you to release that to us this morning, to understand the Scripture. Just release that into this room, that we begin to have a new understanding of the Scripture, Lord. Just release it right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I think the Lord's doing that for some people right now. I'm feeling it. Lord, just, just take another moment and give the Lord a chance, okay? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord, and worship you. See, we're in a day, a new day of understanding. We're, we're in a day of awakening. I'm telling you, we are. There's awakenings going on around you. Here's what I was seeing this morning. You know, at the beach where there's beach houses that are near the ocean, and they start getting eroded down at the, the foundation part of it? Y'all have seen that, right? And if erosion goes on far enough, that what's going to happen in that house? It's going to topple. Here's what's happening, I'm telling you right now today. There's erosion going on that God has ordained. There's things that are coming down in our nation that God has ordained. It's little by little by little by little. And we're going to see things topple that need to topple. And, it's going to, and it might be disturbing. There's going to be some things that's going to feel disturbing. Okay? But don't be disturbed because God is doing it. God is at work and he is bringing some things down. And when it's all over, you're going to be blessed and you're going to be happy and you're going to have a better country to live in. And also he's doing that in the, in the body of Christ. He's been doing it in the body of Christ for a few years now. He's taking some things down. But he's not, he's not going up here and just knocking them down. He's little by little taking the foundation away. taking the foundation. And one day it just all falls and it's over with. Isn't that beautiful? That's how the Lord does things. Because the Lord doesn't tear up stuff. He doesn't tear up people's lives. He just he works and works behind the scenes. And so I see strongholds being taken down in people's hearts. Just God's just working on them. Okay? I see strongholds in our nation being taken down. Nations of the world. Little by little. Amen? It's, I mean, it's, it's good. And so that's really why we need to have this change in our mind. When we see stuff topple, like, oh, that need to go, Lord. You know, when you see stuff topple in your own life, that need to go. God was done with that in my life. Just, just let him have that. Amen? Yes, Lord, thank you.